Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. You heard at the very beginning of our program a little bit of our St. Nicholas theme song in the Byzantine Catholic Church, in particular the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church, of which, of course, I am a member. Today is the Feast of St. Nicholas in many of the Eastern churches, certainly in my church. In fact, this whole weekend has been very significant in regard to St. Nicholas. It's an example of how in the Eastern churches, the Eastern lung of the church, We evangelize by use of some of our unique gifts, the things that we emphasize from church history, the feast days, our customs. There's many ways in the church, east and west, in which we evangelize. In other words, it's spreading the good news, getting the message out there. One of the ways, of course, is by being on radio right now, as I am. But there's other ways as well. In the Eastern churches, our best way of evangelizing is through our liturgy. In other words, by taking the liturgy and everything having to do with that, its expressions, the I'll call it the spin-offs of that. In other words, our customs, such as the St. Nicholas celebration, taking those kinds of things from our liturgical calendar, our liturgical experience, and making those things real, making them dynamic, inviting others to experience them. And in fact, that is exactly what is going on this particular weekend, both yesterday and today, as you're listening, In the area of the church, known as the Eparchy of Parma, that's my eparchy, we call dioceses in Eastern churches eparchies because they generally involve large territories. In the Eparchy of Parma, and specifically at my Church of Annunciation in Homer Glen, Illinois, which is about 30 miles southwest of downtown Chicago. And what we did yesterday is we had an event called Christmas on the Prairie. And the reason we had that was because it was an outgrowth of something that is an outgrowth of our liturgical calendar, and that is St. Nicholas and our celebration of St. Nicholas. In our parishes, in Byzantine Catholic parishes, the celebration of St. Nicholas is a big event. 
He usually appears to the children. There is Vespers and liturgy. And on the evening before December 6th, which is his actual feast day, the children put their shoes out. And lo and behold, they wake up in the morning and they're filled with little treats. This, of course, comes from one of the great stories of the real St. Nicholas, who was an actual Byzantine bishop. And there's a mixture, of course, of legend and fact surrounding his life, but it all adds up to something very enchanting and very exciting, very dynamic, very touching, very sentimental, but also very real, very holy. Well, we have this celebration each year at my parish, and in our particular parish, St. Nicholas does something really, really neat for the children. He actually comes up the street and onto our church property in our long driveway. He comes up on a horse-driven carriage. That's right, a beautiful carriage with lanterns on it, something like right out of a Charles Dickens movie. And the carriage is led by a white Clydesdale named Tom. Nice name, huh? (laughs) And the carriage and horse is driven by a rider with a long coat and a top hat. And there on the carriage is St. Nicholas. And he comes up the driveway to the church, and he meets the children, gives them treats, and gives them rides in his private carriage driven by his favorite horse, Tom, the beautiful white Clydesdale. Well, as you can hear, this is a beautiful custom. And we believe in our church that this custom just shouldn't stay within ourselves, as nice as it is for our own people, our own children. We wanted more of the world to experience it, especially the neighborhood children. So we came up with the idea of expanding on this custom. We realize that we also have this beautiful 10-acre property with its award-winning environmental plan and sustainable environment plan. In other words, a restored prairie water management plan. And it's a beautiful place all year round, all four seasons, even in the wintertime. When the tall grasses begin to curl, they turn a light brown and they actually curl. And the, the frost and the new fallen snow on them is really something quite spectacular. It's very prayerful to walk through our prairie in the wintertime, any time during the year. But the wintertime has a certain kind of contemplative dimension to it. So we have this gift of our prairie. We have the beauty of winter. We have this gift of St. Nicholas and how we celebrate it. We have the gift of his appearing to us in a carriage (laughs) driven by a wonderful, beautiful white horse. We thought we put it all together into an outreach to the neighborhood. And so what we do at Annunciation Parish, what we did yesterday, is we had Christmas on the prairie. We invited people to come, and inside a heated tent, we had people demonstrating what life would be like on the prairie, during the prairie days, you know, making candles and how Christmas would be like during those pioneer days. This included a band that played traditional music from that time, a man that showed us how the Indians lived with their bows and arrows and so on. But we also had carolers, and then the guests were invited to walk through our prairie and stop at different station points where there was a little campfire and our teens did little skits of the life of St. Nicholas, of some of the great stories of St. Nicholas. And afterwards, everybody came back and greeted St. Nicholas as he came up the driveway onto our property with his horse-driven carriage. And of course, we had food available for sale, especially seasonal cookies, Christmas cookies, and also tours of the church. So it was using our liturgy as a means of evangelization, taking riches that are uniquely ours. It's not exclusive to us. St. Nicholas is celebrated all around the world in different ways, even in the Course in the Latin Rite Church as well. But in the Eastern churches, we have a particular way of doing it, and that's what we drew upon as a way of evangelizing. And this has become a very popular event at our church. But it's an example of how the liturgy the liturgy and sacramental life and things related to it, 
you know, the customs, the rituals, the appearance of St. Nicholas to the children, how these things are the ways of evangelization in the Eastern churches. And I often encourage my brother priests to look into that more deeply, as we do here in Light of the East. We look into what is uniquely ours and how that can help transform the world, how it can be a means, an adequate means, a dynamic means of communicating the presence of God on earth, of bringing the good news to people. Both East and West have their unique geniuses and their gifts to bring the message of Christ to the world. And this is one way that we do it here in the Byzantine Church, in particular at Annunciation Church in Homer Glen, I am proud to say. But there's something else going on this very day as you're listening to this program. We're celebrating St. Nicholas in a regional way. In other words, all the Byzantine Catholic parishes of the Ruthenian jurisdiction in the northwest Indiana and greater Chicago region. There's about four of our parishes, and we get together each year at this time with our bishop under the patronage of St. Nicholas. Bishop John Kudrick has come to visit us in our area. That This is being hosted now at St. Mary's Byzantine Catholic Church in Whiting, Indiana. Each year, each church hosts the St. Nicholas celebration, the regional one. Bishop John has joined us. St. Nicholas has joined us once again, because he was here in town anyway, so he decided to stay over for one more night before he moved on to other children around the world. And also Father David Petrus. Father David Petrus is an esteemed liturgical theologian in our church. He's a retired priest now, but still very active in terms of scholarship. He was invited to give a talk, and what that talk was and why he was invited to this particular celebration is very significant. This is 50 years after the close of the Second Vatican Council. And at the close of the Second Vatican Council, back in 1965, there was in Rome, in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, there was celebrated for the first time officially in English, the Byzantine Catholic liturgy. In other words, the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, the liturgy that my church celebrates. Up until then, our liturgies were in the Church Slavonic, which is our native tongue, something like what Latin is to the Latin rite. And just as in the Latin rite, worship was always in Latin with Gregorian chant until recent decades, so too our liturgy was in Church Slavonic, which is something like an ancient Russian. It's the mother tongue of the Slavic languages, very ancient language. Until 1965, our services were in this Church Slavonic, but then with Bishop Elko, he was the bishop at the time for our church in America, he celebrated in Rome the first Byzantine divine liturgy officially in English. And with him were deacons and other priests and a choir from the Russian college there known as the Rusicum. And the deacon at that time who deaconed at that liturgy was Deacon David Petrus, now, of course, retired priest. Father David Petrus. Lots of time has gone by very quickly. So we asked Father David to return and to tell us about that event, because that was a very pivotal event in the history of the whole church, but in particular, the history of the Eastern Catholic churches, and in particular, my church in America. We asked him to speak about that event, its significance, the impact of the Second Vatican Council, and also where we've been and where we are now in respect to that occasion in 1965 and in respect to Vatican II itself. The choir that sang, as I mentioned, was the Russian College Choir, and they sang the responses in English for the first time. And the music from that choir is being sung at this liturgy today, at this commemorative celebration 50 years after it was sung for the first time in Rome. 
A choir was formed by the choir director from St. Mary's Byzantine Catholic Church in Whiting, Indiana. She formed a choir just for this liturgy, and they were singing the chant settings, the exact ones that were sung back in 1965 in Rome by the Rusicum Choir, the Russian College Choir. So this is a very pivotal, momentous day for us, not only because it's St. Nicholas Day, that would be enough, of course. And by the way, St. Nicholas is the patron saint of Byzantine Catholics. That would be enough. But we're also commemorating 50 years after the close of Vatican II and its impact on the Eastern Catholic Churches, especially in America. We're going to talk more about this great weekend and other things coming up when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. Do you know what the Christmas spirit is? Some say the Christmas spirit is a feeling. A feeling of love, joy, and peace that comes this time each year. <laughs> you know, it's not a bad answer. It's just incomplete. The Christmas spirit is the living presence of the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit actively animating and perfecting the lives of Christians. In fact, the love, joy, and peace that we associate with the Christmas spirit are what St. Paul calls the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Many wish the Christmas spirit could be with us all year round. Well, I've got news for you. It can. Why do you think I'm so jolly? So even long after the Christmas decorations are stored away, our hearts can be filled 365 days with the same love, joy, and peace that the angels proclaim to the shepherds if we are open to the power of the Holy Spirit, the true Christmas spirit. For Christ is born, glorify him. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. We're talking about St. Nicholas among several celebrations this week in the Byzantine Catholic Church and close to home for me in my region and also at my parish. And again, the emphasis in the Eastern Church is how we reach into our liturgical life and make that a living thing. 
make that a very living and dynamic vehicle to transmit the gospel, the good news, to make the kingdom of God on earth. That's where our strengths are. The Western church has its own strengths, which are similar but different at the same time. That, of course, is what makes up the beauty of the church, breathing with both lungs, as St. John Paul II said. The interesting thing about St. Nicholas, among many things, is that he is also an example or a lesson to us of what I think is one of the great geniuses of the Eastern spirituality, living in the both and, just his figure alone. St. Nicholas is a figure that is, in one way, mythological, a lot of legend. At the same time, notice, at the same time, both and, he's actually real. He was a real bishop, a real person, back in the 4th century in the Byzantine Catholic Church in what is today modern-day Turkey. Some of his stories may have even gotten confused with another bishop named Nicholas, another charitable bishop, but by and large, the legends that have come down have come down rather intact, and also some historical facts of Nicholas. In fact, his remains are in a church in Bari, Italy, and those remains were brought back to Italy from the area of Constantinople because at that time, the Byzantine church and Byzantine empire was being overrun by Islam. And so to protect Nicholas's relics, Sailors from Italy, which had a lot of Byzantine influence at that time, they were from Bari, Italy, actually sailed across and stole his relics and brought them safely to a church in Bari, Italy. And to this day, those relics actually ooze fragrant special ointment. Yes, they're, they're that real. They're that alive. They're relics that have this very fragrant special ointment that comes from them. And this is something that is seen oftentimes in Eastern saints. Icons or relics will secrete or ooze a certain ointment. It's a rather mysterious ointment. It's fragrant. There's no way to explain it because it keeps coming out. How can it come out from such a limited source, like a piece of wood, an icon, or bones that are very, very old? So these are miraculous events, and they're very characteristic of miraculous events in the Eastern churches among the Eastern saints. St. Nicholas, when his tradition, his story, came to America, and just before that, when it was in Europe, and again, he was celebrated all over the world, in so many parts of the world, before he came to America, just before that, and when he was there, his story got co-opted a bit by Protestant Christians, who had a difficulty with the fact that St. Nicholas was a Catholic bishop. There was at that time, of course, after the Reformation, a lot of tension between the newly formed Protestant communities and the Catholic Church. So they co-opted St. Nicholas a bit, and of course they changed his name according to a more Dutch or Germanic pronunciation as Santa Claus. In other words, it's sort of shortened Nicholas Klaus. See how Nick Klaus, if you shorten Nicholas, it's Klaus, Santa Klaus, St. Klaus. And that is something that, of course, stuck in American culture and in Western countries. And it's interesting that even though St. Nicholas was co-opted and his identity changed a bit, or actually quite a bit, at the same time, his mystical presence, the mystique about him, remained. And in fact, the images of St. Nicholas that we know, you know, with the red hat with the little white ball on it and his red suit with the white fluffy trimming and his white beard— if you look closely at that and think with a little bit of imagination, that is actually a distillation of what were the vestments for a Catholic bishop, in particular a Byzantine Catholic bishop. And of course, the white beard, Byzantine bishops had beards because largely because they were monks and Byzantine monks are known for having beards and long hair. The desert fathers were like that. So the white beard 
And the, the clothes that Santa Claus wears today are actually variations of the original Episcopal vestments of the original real St. Nicholas. So whether you celebrate St. Nicholas as purely a secular person of goodwill, or whether you actually acknowledge him as St. Nicholas, the person he really was, when you put the two together, there's something about St. Nicholas that really draws us to live in the both hand. Both characters, the Santa Claus distillation and St. Nicholas himself, both characters carry with them a mystique, an enchantment, and it's all based on charity, on love, on holiness, on giftedness. And so Nicholas is a figure that, again, communicates to us and immerses us in that reality that I think is so much the genius of Eastern spirituality, the ability to live in the both and, that something can have this enchantment, it can even have been somewhat secularized a bit, and yet it carries with it this holiness, this gospel message, this presence of Christ in its own way. And maybe that's why Nicholas is such a universal figure. No matter what you do with him, something, something still comes through that is beautiful and enchanting, especially for children, but not just for children. For us, he is also a for real saint that we pray to for his intercession. And although he may be this jolly figure as Santa Claus, although he may be this very holy and pious bishop for us in the Byzantine church, he also was a man of truth and justice. And one of the most famous stories is when Nicholas at the Ecumenical Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, where they were trying to settle the Arian heresy perpetrated by Arius. The Arian heresy was about the fact that Jesus was not really entirely divine. Nicholas supposedly stalked across the hall and struck Arius on the face for saying such blasphemies and heresies. The story goes that he was ejected by the other bishops, but that night as the bishops slept, the Virgin Mary appeared to them and told them to reinstate Nicholas, that he was right. Oh, it's always one of my favorite stories of Nicholas, because you don't want to make him out to be something like a, the Pillsbury Doughboy or something, and this jolly little cushy figure that just kind of laughs and is sweet and soft. Yeah, he is that, but he was also a man of justice and integrity and truth. This is one of the things that we sing about St. Nicholas on his feast day, and as always, we get insights in the Byzantine church to our spirituality from our liturgy, our liturgical texts. We sing this. We have gathered to celebrate and to praise with song the model of bishops and a glory to the fathers, a fountain of miracles and a great helper of believers. Let us sing to the saintly Nicholas, rejoice, O protector of Myra, who was revered as its leader and strongest pillar. Rejoice, O radiant star, whose light of miracles shines throughout the world. Rejoice, O divine joy, to those in sorrow. Rejoice, O defender of those who are oppressed. For even now, O holy Nicholas, you still pray to God for us, who celebrate your feast with faith and who honor you with zeal and joy. Now, you'll notice there are many descriptive phrases about Nicholas in this prayer. And again, this prayer comes from our Vesper service. And understand that this would normally be chanted. I just read it to you, but this text would normally be chanted. You can see that it had words like rejoice, O defender of those who are oppressed. So Nicholas is a strong figure, a just figure. Yes, and a sweet and sentimental and enchanting figure as well. He's just the quintessential example of living in the both and. And maybe that, maybe that reason. That secret of life that he carries in his person is why he is so universally celebrated and acknowledged 
I want to let you know about something coming up that I'll be involved in. In fact, it's coming up soon at our cathedral parish, St. John's in Parma, Ohio, which is the seat of my particular eparchy. I am conducting, together with the Table Life Institute, marriage retreats. I'm conducting with the Table Life Institute Days of Recollection for Married Couples. It's part of the newly formed Marriage and Family Ministry for the Byzantine Eparchy of Parma, which is my eparchy. There's going to be many more things to follow, but the first things we're doing with this newly formed ministry is we're conducting Days of Recollection for Married Couples in the various regions of our eparchy. We'll be at St. Basil's in Sterling Heights in February. We'll be at St. Basil's in Sterling Heights in May. We'll be in the Chicago area in February. And we'll be at the Cathedral Parish on Saturday, December 19th. It's just in a couple weeks. If you want information, you can go to TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. You can see all the information there. You can register online. And all the information you'll need will be there. The retreats are called Embracing the Mystery. A Day of Recollection for Married Couples. It'll be largely, of course, from the Byzantine perspective. We'll be using a lot of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, of course, which is very Eastern in its character. So if you're looking for something to do that will help prepare you for Christmas, the coming of the Messiah, what better thing to do than to enrich your own marriage, especially if you're in the Midwest region. You can go into Ohio to attend that one just before Christmas. Again, it's Embracing the Mystery, a day of recollection for married couples at the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist in Parma, Ohio. You can get information by going to Tabor Life. That's T-A-B-O-R, like Mount Tabor, taborlife.org, taborlife.org. And again, these retreats will be repeated in two other areas in February and May. But all that will be on the website. You'll be hearing a lot more about the other upcoming retreats and much more about our marriage and family ministry for the Eparchy of Parma in conjunction with the Tabor Life Institute, of course, which I am a member. I want to thank you for listening. Have a blessed St. Nicholas Day. I am Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media.